Hi folks, welcome to our Jet Centra podcast. Um, I'm Steve Lyons, sports editor here at the Free Press. I'm in my office here at 1355 Mountain. I was going to do it at home today, Mike, but I didn't. I'm here with Mike McIntyre, who's, as usual these days, in his car on his driveway somewhere in Winnipeg. Yeah, secret, double secret station. Um, I guess so, I can't see, I hinted that it's garbage day on Wednesday, so that might give, I don't know how it works with the, the grid. You were just saying your garbage day is Monday, mine is Wednesday. Um, no idea how that big puzzle works. But yeah, yeah it's, all I know is that the garbage workers are like clockwork because this is at least the third straight Wednesday that as we're about to record the podcast, the garbage truck has just pulled up behind me. So they are um, creatures of habit, and uh, I'll, I'll leave the listeners to deduce whether there's a tie-in between the fact that podcast day is also garbage day. Well, let's hope that it's not, but <laughs> some people like listening to garbage, though. Um, <laughs> um, lots of uh, news. Uh, this morning and, and, and last night, Mike, um, let's start with last night. Um, so for the folks at home, this is Wednesday, April the what? 29th. Uh, April the 70th, I think. Um, yeah, 29th. I should, I should know this because we're going to talk about this later. It's my anniversary today. So it's oh, the yes. 29th. Yes. Happy 20th anniversary to Mike McIntyre. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so it is the April the 29th, last night, Tuesday, um, a story came out um, that the CFL, the Canadian Football League, is asking the federal government for up to $150 million in financial assistance. Now, it's not shocking that uh, anybody is asking for uh, financial assistance during the COVID-19 crisis, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat... I'm not I'm somewhat. I'm, I'm like really kind of surprised at the amount that the CFL is asking for. Right. And frankly, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. There's a quote, and I'm going to read this quote. There's a few quotes that are quite interesting in this story. One of the quotes that Randy Ambrosi says very early in the story is that we're like so many other businesses across Canada. Okay. So if you are like so many other businesses across Canada then apply for the same uh, wage subsidies and other benefits that the government is giving to all other businesses across Canada. And I do not understand why the Canadian Football League would be seeking some sort of special treatment here. Uh, And Brosie goes on to say something about that the CFL's long-term future would be in peril. Now, I'm not sure why. There's not really any reasons given for that. If the CFL was to miss this entire season, they would have they would not have any revenue, but they also would have no expenses. And I'm I'm just not sure why the CFL thinks that it needs to be treated specially here. It's a, it's a great Canadian institution. Don't get me wrong. I love the CFL. I, I really really do. I grew up watching it and and. Most of my career has been spent covering it. Um, but, you know, there's lots of Canadian institutions that are being threatened by COVID-19, and, and they're all being treated in the same fair way by the federal government. So this is, this is a, little, a little out there for me. 
right here, Steve. I mean, the fact that they're asking for this money, does this not tell you that in their mind, they do not see a season happening this year? Uh, first of all, to even make this ask. Because if there's a season, I mean, are they going to give this money back? Is that how it would work? Yeah, um, I don't There's so, not a lot of details in this, this ask. It's kind of just like, I mean, it's like, hey, can you give us $150 million? Yeah. Uh, hey, can you... Buddy, can you spare a dime or or a lot of dimes in this case? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some of this would certainly come off as I don't know if insensitive is the word, but maybe maybe they're not reading the room the right way. Like a sports league asking for I don't know if you want to call this a bailout, a handout for sure, uh, and a significant one at that. When I mean. $150 million, like, are they saying that that's how much they've already lost to this date? And, like, I'd like to see the math on this, first of all. Yes, I had a chat with, uh, and we're going to have a story about this in our paper tomorrow, and, and also we're going to have something on the weekend about the financial situation of the Canadian Football League. I've been having some long discussions with our football reporter, Jeff Hamilton, about this <laughs> this week prior to this coming out. And then again, this morning we chatted about it, and we estimated that maybe if you added up all the teams in the Canadian Football League, that that might be their entire revenue for the for the year. So that's maybe where that number is coming from. But I'm not sure why you need all of that revenue if you're not actually having any expenses. And and so and, and again, it, it just gets back to the same thing here: is that listen, we're we're going to get a subsidy here at the Free Press. Right. Our are incredibly down. But just like every other company in Canada, our people signed online on Monday and filled out the forms and uh, and, and to try to get wage subsidy uh, for our for our employees. And, and I'm not against the CFL getting that, but I'm not sure what this is. No, and and so if we to break it down into um, sort of minutia here, I mean, for example, all these players that are going to be without work. Presumably, they will be able to apply as individuals, would they not? Um, you know, I've asked Jeff to check on that for sure. Like, I would like to know, I would hypothetically, yeah, your average Canadian football player makes fifty-five or $60,000 a year, and he's not going to be collecting a salary. And so, yeah, he would be entitled to file for the CERB benefit sure. and everything else. For sure, he would be. Uh, but I mean, the hundred fifty million is that going right into the owner's pockets to offset these perceived losses? And as you say, I mean, it, it, there's a whole so, degree of of skepticism here with the fact that, uh, like, I've seen one story mentioned some some owner saying we've had no revenues for the last couple months. But what revenues would you have expected to have in any event? This is the off season, right? Nine clubs. 
an actual profit last year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that answer um, off the top of my head, Mike. But uh, exactly, and so some of the some of the owners are multimillionaires, and some of them can use those losses as as, as tax write offs sure. as well. And well, so, and, and the reverse is to say that <coughs> if a team lost money last year, would a season not happening actually save them from that lost money? Well, exactly, right. The Bombers did not lose money last year. They haven't lost money in quite some time. And so um, I'm not saying that it would. I wouldn't cost the Bombers some significant money here if they're not able to have a season and they're going to incur some loss, I'm sure. But they also have a, a significant rainy day fund. And, and but, I mean, but everybody's incurring losses here. Like, you sure. know what I mean? And we all are, you know. I guess and why are the other special? Sure, I guess the other shoe to drop, of course, is what the response ends up being of the federal government. I mean, they could just say, uh, we appreciate the app, but take a hike or get it on. I saw that, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau, I saw a quote from him this morning, essentially saying that, that they're, they will have discussions. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say yes, he didn't say no. Um, I guess, what would you expect him to say to such an right. app at this point? Right. I, I don't know. I'd be, frankly, I'd be shocked. Uh, and I think the blowback would be significant. Not to mention, Steve, the potential precedent that would be set. I mean, if if the CFL does this, I mean, what other leagues quickly get in line then? We have seven National Hockey League teams north of the border. Um, we have one well, NBA team. Boost and Valor and sure, both guys would be entitled, would they be? And the and the Moose and and and, and all of that. And um, so junior hockey. I mean, yeah. yeah. Where where do you as uh, as the the expression that I often heard covering crime in courts all those years? It's the it's the proverbial slippery slope, right? And and it seems to me that the slope would get very slippery here if the federal government uh, ultimately signs off on this. Thing, but I think what these 
keeping their family healthy, worrying about their financial situation, um, their job status. So I think it, it has been certainly not front of mind. That being said, do you think the distraction of an NHL hockey game is really going to help with that? I don't know if it'll help, but I will say this. Um, looking at what happened last week with the NFL draft, specifically the uh, the ratings. No, not yeah, just, yeah. yeah, not just in the United States, but in Canada, they were record-setting as well. We have no NFL team in Canada. Um, yeah, there were a couple Canadians that were expected to go in the first few rounds, but the numbers were astronomical, like record-setting, which just tells me that perhaps we underestimate just how starved people are for any kind of fresh content. Uh, there's probably a reason, Steve, that a show like Tiger King uh, was all the rage at the start of this pandemic. I mean, people will sink their teeth into just about anything in live sports. Oh, life, life life. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that Tiger King probably would have been popular anyways. I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, I haven't watched it, so I should I should not be overly judgmental. There was an Angus Reid poll that came out this this week on Monday, I think it was, and it asked Canadians how they were feeling about uh, life in general, and um, a lot of people were uh, expressing uh, you know anxiety. Um, a lot of uh, there was forty four percent people felt their anxiety was up, thirty five percent felt grateful, and then a large portion, I think it was 25 or 26%, felt bored. Um, So uh, potentially those people were all watching the NFL draft and would also watch the return of NHL hockey. So so one other thing that came up, and I asked Jason Bell to check on this yesterday, and we will also have a story about this in tomorrow's paper. I got an email from a guy this week, Mike, thanking you and me for a this podcast. And B, for the daily newsletter that I send out that's called Flight Club. Uh, right. For you folks listening, if you're not getting that in your inbox every morning, go to our website and you can subscribe to it. Um, but so it clearly seems like there is going to be a return of hockey. But what is also very apparent is that it's not going to be played in Winnipeg. No. So this guy who has tickets to some games that were supposed to be played in Winnipeg watch his bloody money back, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so what we found out is that the Jets and no NHL teams are refunding money at this time. Neither are the Bombers, neither are the Gold Knights. The Gold Knights actually are sympathetic to people that if, if you call them and say, listen, I really need my money back, they're actually giving it. I guess right. the Bombers somewhat doing this as well. But the NHL, the richest league of all of these leagues, Mike, no way. No money back. And there's not even any there's not any sign that you're even going to get your money back. They might do the Air Canada thing or the West Jet thing and give you a yeah. credit to be used somewhere in the future. I was just going to use that comparison, which we talked about last week on the podcast, how airlines are just giving credits, not refunds. And I'll add um, other entertainers to that list as well, Steve, my wife and my daughter, they were supposed to go see Celine Dion, I believe this past Monday, is when she would have performed here in Winnipeg, of course that didn't happen, uh, 
they've announced that her her tour is postponed, and as a result, my wife doesn't get the money back for the tickets. They just have a future credit for presumably if they reschedule. Um, I think I mentioned my wife and I, we were supposed to be going to Las Vegas at the end of May, and we had tickets to see our favorite comedian. Uh, his, his event just officially got canceled last week. We're not getting a refund. We're getting, I guess, a credit. So it seems to be a trend everywhere. That we've got your money, and we're going to hold on to it as long as we can. And, you know, they frame it in a way that, well, it will apply it to future. And I guess for hockey games, assuming those four remaining regular season Jets games are not being rescheduled, and we now know they aren't, they're not being rescheduled in Winnipeg. That's well, not in Winnipeg. Right. So at that point, I mean, I guess they should be refunding the money, especially, I guess, if you want to have the option and say, well, you can just put that towards next year's tickets, fine, but you should at least have that option. Well, yeah, so I guess we did get a quote from Rob Wozni, is that his name? He's a PR guy for True North, and basically the party line right now is that the, the season is not officially canceled yet and so we're waiting until the season is officially canceled so in case you weren't listening to premier brian pallister this morning there's going to be no sporting events in manitoba for the foreseeable future it's not happening rob wasney um this guy wants his money back so potentially he can buy groceries and so I, I just don't get it. Like, like yeah. So like, I'm glad you brought up Brian Pollister's comments because I think that should that should have some finality to it. Manitoba, for those who aren't aware, Manitoba announced their phased reopening of the economy plan earlier today. It is by far, by far, the most aggressive reopening plan in Canada. It it exceeds what Saskatchewan is doing. It exceeds what anyone's doing. Um, however. Despite the most aggressive reopening plan in Canada, Brian Pollister, the Premier, was crystal clear there will be no gatherings of any volume, and he specifically said sports events, concerts, festivals, until September at the earliest. Yeah. That, that right there, um, we have the most lax restrictions in place, or we're about to, and that still is going to you know, curtain that until at least September. So that should be the sign right there. And and I'm sure the NHL and the Jets and every team, they're going to cling to that legal language as much as they can, right? All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Center podcast. Um, Mike, you mentioned Celine Dion there. Uh, her cup was canceled. I saw Celine Dion on television this weekend. I don't know whether you caught any of the stronger together um, um, concert special that was on on uh, Sunday evening. Did you catch any of it? I caught very little of it. Uh, I, I admit I tuned into the entire U.S. broadcast a week earlier. It's not, not very patriotic. I kind of took yeah, it. Yeah, okay. told you now. You can watch the replay of it. It's still online, by the way, if you want. I would highly recommend that to anybody. Um, I, but listen, Maybe I've just felt overly patriotic. Uh, um, but I, I felt the tone of it and the uh, the performances and the uh, and the. Inf- 
medicine that was given was just a really, really good. So I, I'd highly recommend that to anybody. And Celine Dion was on there. A lot of really great artists. What uh, was the best musical performance? I think we talked about the U.S. one, and we both thought the Rolling Stones were terrific. Uh, what, was the best, what was the best performance that you saw? Well, the best performance, the show ended with a um, kind of like a... Um, a We Are the World kind of thing? Yeah, We Are the World, thank you for that yeah. thing, uh, singing the song Lean On Me right. uh, by Bill, yeah, the Bill Withers song. And it was uh, it was so good. It was it was just really, um, the, other than that, um, you know, I really liked the performances of Tom Cocker and he did a little bit of Life is a Highway. And yeah, Beth Bachman was on and Brian Adams was on. It's funny, all the, all the musical... All my favorite musical people are really old. I was <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question: How many of those artists were actually in Canada? Most of them are probably most of them are in the U.S. Right? I did. I did wonder that. Burton Cummings did a really nice little rendition of "Share the Land," which was nice. Uh, um, just a great song. I, I really, uh, really appreciated that. And um, this, this is the, 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 the since we're talking about music. Um, I'll just mention this, as we normally have a little bit of a Netflix kick here. Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched a really, really, really good documentary last night. It's called uh, Echo in the Canyon. Um, it's a musical documentary. Jacob Dylan, who's the son of Bob Dylan, uh, goes back and he looks at the music that was made in uh, Laurel Canyon, which is in just outside of Los Angeles during the mid-60s, 1965 to 67, and that was when that whole California sound kind of came out, and, uh, you know, the Beach Boys made pet sounds, and and the Mamas and the Papas, and and then the Birds, and Buffalo Springfield, and and, um, it was really, really, really good. uh, If if anybody likes that kind of music, and I I love 60s music personally, uh, and maybe because I was born in 1960, so that could be why, right? You know what I mean? But soundtrack of your youth, yeah. It, it is. It, it, the music really changed then. It, it the, the whole world of music changed then, and there's some really good information in the doc about that. The birds really, in a lot of ways, changed music. They combined folk music with rock music. And Roger McGuinn, who was the lead guitarist of the birds, has, has always been given credit for kind of changing music in a very big way. It, uh, when he did that, it was really, it was kind of his idea, apparently. You know, he's been given credit for it. Right. On. And Tom, I think you, was great interesting you mentioned, it. you mentioned the power of music. I've seen a few uh, friends, Facebook, that sort of thing, talk about how they realized how little they actually care about what's on television. And a lot of people have said that they often will find they don't even turn the TV on during the day. They're just playing music in their house nonstop that they find it's soothing, relaxing, comforting, all that. Uh, and I wonder if this whole pandemic, um, not that we ever got away from music, but is perhaps making people appreciate its impact on us more than ever. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, I grew up in an era where you would put an album on, like a, a disc, and right. you would sit down and you would listen to it, right? And, and I still have, I have this Sonos speaker in my living room, uh, which I can play, and I often on afternoons will put on a, a, an album and listen to an album. The other day I listened to the first Streetheart album, um, which is tremendous, by the way. Um, and, and I will often do that. I often call it Saturday, Sonos Saturday. 
me where I'll, I'll sit, I'll sit around on my couch and I'll, I'll find an album, you know what I mean? And I'll listen to the whole album as opposed to these, it, it gets so, we, we get so used to playlists nowadays, right? right? And yeah, so jumping around for sure. Yeah, albums, albums were fun. Um, I'm not sure what your musical tastes are, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the map, actually. Uh, I grew up I grew up in a house. Uh, my parents loved country music. Um, I'm not a huge fan of modern country music, uh, but, I mean, there's that old, sort of like you mentioned, 60s music. I hear country, and I just think back to my childhood. We actually went to Branson, Missouri a couple times uh, as kids on family trips, which was kind of a, it's like the Vegas of country music, I guess. Um uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I like pretty much anything now. Um, I'm a huge fan of um, The Killers out of Las Vegas. Um, I've seen them in concert a few times, absolutely love them. Um, and they, they're actually just coming out with a, a brand new album. Uh, I believe it's coming out this week. They released the first song of it. So uh, yeah, I, I can listen to just about anything. And as I embark on my daily hour-long walks, uh, I throw the headphones on and um, I'll often just search and, you know, a different playlist today or, or one artist and just, you know, let it rip for an hour, sort of an hour of that artist's song. Uh, and, and it's been great. It makes the time absolutely fly by for sure. Nice. Anything good on TV? I'm, watching, I'm still watching Ray Donovan. I just finished season six. And I'm also watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. But uh, other than that, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for good documentaries these days. So one of my absolute favorite shows um, is Homeland. Uh, we don't we don't have HBO, however. So I've I've always been like a season behind because uh, I think the first three or four seasons were put on Netflix pretty quickly. I watched them all, but then at that point, once I got caught up, the new season was always on HBO. We didn't have we don't have HBO, so I'd have to wait till it either came out on DVD or Netflix. But what I actually did the other day, the final season of Homeland, which is the eighth season, Claire Danes, Mandy Tangan, a tremendous show, great acting. Uh, the final season of Homeland actually just finished this past Sunday night on HBO, 11 episodes. I haven't seen any of them, but I actually just went to iTunes the other day, paid $30, I bought season eight. Uh, so I'm one episode in, I'm going to do what I did with Ozark, I want to pace myself to savor it. So over the next now ten more nights, I'll uh, I'll work through season eight of Homeland, uh, a great show. I don't know if you ever seen it. I have thought. I've been tempted many times. It's on my uh, my list thing on Netflix. There, um, I, I you know I I'm glad to hear you did that. Went to iTunes and actually yeah. paid for something like that. I'm I'm a big anti piracy guy, Mike. Oh um, boy, me too. You know, like listen, I work in an industry where uh, you know, we're getting, you know, killed by piracy in some ways, right? Do you know what I mean? And, and so read, I, yeah. I have no problem, you know, renting a movie, uh, paying the money to rent a movie or to go and buy a, a season series like that for 30 bucks. I did that with Better Call Saul one, one season. I bought the whole season. And I'm tempted to go buy, uh, coming up here, the new season of Better uh, Call Saul. It's 35 bucks for the season or something like that. But hey, you know, like, um, nothing, I don't believe in getting stuff for free, so. No, the way I figured it, I'd pay, if I was going out for a night at the movies, not 
I, I, I know I love it. Uh, why not invest in, uh, in, in it? And uh, I'm glad I did. We're back for the overtime period of our Jet Center podcast. Okay, so let's circle all the way back here, Mike. Happy 20th anniversary to you. Yes. Um, today is 20th year since you got married. Uh, another I'm old. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> How old are you? Old? I'm 45, so I got married pretty young, 25. Um, and so even yet, when you figure I, got, I married my high school sweetheart, although we, we were actually weren't even dating in high school. Uh, so but we have, like, in your mind or what? <laughs> no, no, we were, like, really good friends. We met, we met in my grade 12 year. She was in grade 11, but we had an English class together. And it's funny, I, I often see people say, did you have an English teacher that made an impact in your life? And I absolutely did. Shout out to Adriano Magnifico, a.k.a. Mr. Magnifico, River East Collegiate, my grade 12 English teacher. Not only did he inspire me to become a writer, it was his class where I met my future wife. Uh, she had actually moved. She was a great younger, but she had moved from Thunder Bay. And they, I believe, I don't know if it's still the case, Ontario has, like, they have grade 13, or they used to. So the grading, she was taking some grade 12 class, some grade 11. We met in his English class. He actually attended our wedding years later. I still keep in touch with him. Uh, I I thanked him in all of my books that I've written just for my inspiration to become a writer. So, uh, but yeah, uh, we've known each other since I was 17, so... 28 years. We've been married now 20. This one will be a little different, obviously. Uh, we can't go out for a dinner, a nice dinner tonight. We are ordering in from one of our favorite restaurants. Uh, it's today, folks. Yes, it, it, it coincides very nicely. So we're, we're uh, Sukkotai. Sukkotai on, uh, on Osborne. It's a Thai restaurant, and we absolutely love it. We often... Yeah, we often go there on the 29th of April and, and dine in, but that won't happen, but we will do pickup. Uh, and then we're going to go for a drive tonight. We actually got engaged um, in Lockport by the dams. Like, we were out for a walk one night. I think we went for ice cream, and that's where I proposed. So we're going to go for a nice drive tonight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little different, but uh, it, it's a nice anniversary. One of two anniversaries, Steve, coming up on May the 14th will be 25 years to the day since I actually got hired uh, at the Winnipeg Sun, where I started my career. I spent two years there, and then I came over to the Free Press in 97. But, yeah, kind of neat to have a 20-year wedding anniversary and a 25-year career anniversary all within a couple weeks of each other. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I also spent a year at the Sun, like I came up to the Free Press in, eight, in 87. Uh, missed you by a few days there. Yeah. <laughs> um, to do the math, I'm, I started at the Sun in 86, so I'm still a ways away from... Well, I'm coming up on... Yeah, coming up on 35 years. I for you. so. Is that the math there? Yeah. Next so. year, yeah. Wow. Did you, uh, did you ever work at any of the weekly newspapers in this province? Like so many of us, it seems... Uh, of course, there was sad news yesterday about the closure of a number of, of community papers and... One of them, the Interlake Spectator, Roger Newman, was my very first boss. I, I, I worked at the Interlake Spectator, spent the summer in Gimli in 1994, in between my two years of journalism school. Learned so much that, that, that one summer. 
internship, and then that turned into a full-time job for a year. Right. And then I've been at the Free Press here ever since. And so uh, it, it's funny, you know, I, I hear and I've heard many, many stories from friends in the business, and, and just like you listening to you right there talk about their time at these small-town small newspapers. And, and I almost feel like I missed something, to be honest with you. Um, but, um, yeah, so a lot of, for those of folks that don't know, Post Media shut down seven newspapers in Manitoba. Yeah, but very sad. In the seven number rural, right, right, Selkirk, uh, Stonewall, um, or I think, yeah. it was, I, I remember those days, that was back in 1994, I had this, like, tablet, but, like, basically a typewriter, but it was electronic. We would write our stories on it, and then every Friday, we would have to go from Gimli uh, to Stonewall, where we would physically lay the the weekly newspaper out. Like I'm talking, you cut and paste and glue, and and then you send the product off. Uh, it was quite something, and it was so neat. You know, I was 19 years old. I was learning about journalism. I was covering everything from crime to sports to features to politics, albeit in a summer community. Uh, and then I was learning about laying out a newspaper, writing headlines. So, you know, it's an experience that was tremendous as a young, uh, as a young writer. And it's sad that, um, unfortunately, so many, you know, next generation of writers won't get such an opportunity. I mean, much has changed in the business, obviously. And, um, but, you know, those communities uh, are no longer going to be served by, by what they used to be. So that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that really is, yeah. Well, Mike, uh, that's uh, about all our time I think we have today. So um, happy anniversary. Uh, Thank you very much. For your day today, for sure. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. It's a beautiful sunny day out here in Winnipeg, folks. Uh, um, it looks like the weather's going to be a little bit better for us in the, in the coming days, and that's something to look forward to. But please, please, please stay, stay uh, safe and uh, try to keep this... Uh, momentum that we have going of, uh, with the numbers. Uh, well, I'll end with a tweet that I put out after the, the announcement earlier today, Steve, from the province of Manitoba. Great news for us Manitobans, no doubt about it, but let's not screw this up. Uh, we're being given a lot of rope here. Uh, let's be careful with what we do with it in the coming days and weeks. Mm-hmm.